Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Sophist, the podcast where we take you through the major news and topics facing importers and manufacturers in China and Asia today. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of China Manufacturing Decoded, our podcast that we hold every week. This is episode eighty-eight, if I'm not mistaken. Adrian is not here, so I'm never hundred percent sure, but I, I guess I get it right.、Uh, and today, Andrew Andrew Aminovin is with me. And for those who follow the podcast regularly, he's been on the show a few times. He is the head of new product development in in our company, Sophist,、uh, and he comes with、um, a lot of experience.、Uh, he's an electrical and electronic engineer and reliability engineer, and he's been working mostly on、uh, reliability and quality through his years in a number of different tech companies. And we were looking actually with with Adrian、uh, last time, and and we said, hey, one of the episode that was quite popular was episode twenty three, I think.、Um, yeah, episode twenty three. On the NPI process, and、uh, in that episode, I simply went through you know the, the six phases of, of of our process for bringing a product from you know let's say a a,、um, a concept, an idea, all the way through to mass production, right? And it, it doesn't mean we always work on these six phases, but it's it's nice to、um, To help our customers really think in a structured manner with some gates and making sure, okay, have you got all that right? Okay, then next step is this in in a logical sequence, and that's really what that、uh, new product introduction process、uh, does for 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 them. Okay, so、um, and and just to be very clear, we、we'll, we generally focus. When it comes to、uh, developing new products, we we tend to focus on electromechanical products, and 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 we we leave、uh, special situations such as medical products and and other special situations where a lot of special requirements come into play. We, we leave them aside in this discussion. We'll just go for、um, let's say consumer products that have some mechanical elements and and, and that may have. Uh, some electronic parts. Okay, so hi Andrew, hi. How's everything going? Hello, Renaud. Good to be here again. Doing fine.、Um, yeah, this is a great subject. All right. Yes, it is.、Uh, so this time, so as I said, we're going back on the new product introduction process, and last. So last time, I really went through it and explained, you know, that. But what people don't. You know, often don't get is why you know why is it so important to to do all of that work you know upfront rather than trying to put together a prototype you know、uh, hack a prototype together like, oh the, you know it works you know and then just go to the a Chinese factory that that does something similar and then like they will know how to how to bring it into mass production right. Dangerous thought, actually, with a very new product,、uh, but people don't really know why. So, I was thinking we take some of the elements of the NPI process that really、uh, 
most of the time should not be skipped. And then we explain why, you know, actually what happens if you skip it? What are the risks, uh, right? So sometimes there's no, uh, no severe consequence. And sometimes there are very severe consequences in skipping them. So it's all about risk management really in the end. So I was thinking maybe the, the first one we can pick is the simply, you know, documenting the requirements. Okay, so you have a concept, you have an idea, you know, this product is going to do it, Y, Z, you know, but okay. So, uh, you know, put it together like a brief for your designer anyway. Uh, as you're going to work with an industrial designer, I would guess, uh, they will they will need to have some kind of brief to, to, to understand what it is. So, you know, what what is the product supposed to be, but, you know, who's going to use it? In what environment? Why would they use it? What's their problem? And, you know, any performance requirements, any anything special, you know, um, that, that would be very important to really solve the problem that these users are trying to solve, right? And try to try to do it in a documented manner and even try to... Um, Try to explain step by step, you know, number one, number two, number three, how it's supposed to work, uh, right? The user presses a button here, then they they they, they put this consumable, then you know, then what happens, and then you know, until they have done the job, right? So, putting this in um in 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 a simple way on uh, in in a document, uh, maybe in a table or or, or just uh, free flow text is very. Uh, important but you know people will say why you know i can just explain quickly that's fine right i don't need to put it on paper so what uh, andrew what, what what would you say if they don't do that um what what is likely to happen oh boy uh all kinds <laughs> of negative and bad things can happen well yeah. you know I'll, i think this is pretty clear for a lot of experienced designers and engineers they have learned what happens if they don't have some kind of a requirement document. In fact, uh, in most companies, they call it product uh, requirement document or PRD, uh, which basically entails in detail uh, what the product looks like, what the features and um, requirements are, and how it's supposed to operate, what are the operation Temperatures are some of the reliability requirements, testing requirements. So they're very kind of like high level, but it's very clear what the product's supposed to be like. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that simple document created, and then here it is, nobody really knows all the details of what the requirements or features or performance is supposed to be like. All you need to do is make a mistake and miss one of those requirements and the product is not going to perform to uh, specification. And God knows what, could, what kind of other thing can go wrong, uh, you know, trickle effect. You know, for example, you know, you didn't, in terms of design, you didn't, uh, for example, have the right kind of a voltage. Now there's not enough um, power for some other module to work or, you know, all kinds of, or you, you forgot certain requirement for reliability testing and now... You know, as soon as it's dropped from uh, half a meter, uh, the product just basically breaking or shutting down or things. So this this whole this product requirement document in MPI phase early on is probably more like a plan. And if you don't have that kind of agreed with everyone, all kinds of 
IL can break loose later. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that, uh, absolutely. And the, um, I mean, when a quality engineer comes into play and says, okay, so, you know, later, like maybe it's three months later, okay, you put a prototype together, it's kind of functional, whatever. Okay, but I, you can't just give it to me like this and like, I'm going to give you my feedback, you know. I, I, what is the checklist? Where are the requirements? At one point, it's going to be required anyway. And then someone is going to, maybe a quality engineer, you know, is going to ask a lot of questions to make it more specific, right? Because it's extremely important. And I see actually people working sometimes with a with manufacturer here and things are never really uh, documented. You know, it must do that and it must be tested that way and things like that. And then I'm like, but what? And then they say, but it has to be like the approved sample. Right. But but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, okay. If, if it's the wrong color, yeah, it's easy to spot. <laughs> but you know what's the tolerance on this oh uh yeah i don't know uh i would check and i would tell them oh really but when there's five thousand pieces on 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 the on the shop floor already made you know you know getting packed and you see a problem you're going to tell them it's not good you know what what kind of discussion are you going to get into (laughs) right so yeah so that's um it's very, very fundamental, and it doesn't have to be very tricky or com- complicated. Uh, we we even put together like a simple template that, that people can fill out uh, with with some examples, um, and it's not that painful. But it requires the person who has you know the concept in their mind to put it down on paper because they have to understand their users. So it will force them to to think of what their the the target customers, target users. Um, you know, how they live their life and what they would do with the product and so on. Then, okay, let's, this is about phase one specification, right? So let's go into phase two, what we call feasibility study or proof of concept. If a product is very simple, you know, and not very new, this is not very, um, going through this phase is not really important, can be skipped. However, if it's a a very new product, and it trying to um, yeah to push the envelope on certain things, uh, it, it, it does make sense to to pose and uh, do a study or a very rough kind of prototype if you want um, to uh, to confirm certain things, right? Um, like you know if if we put it like this and it works like that, you know first is it going to work? You know, right. I don't know the the pump and the motor and 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 this. You know, even in a very rough, in a very crude way. You and I, uh, you and I, in the old days, we called it the uh, kind of uh, trying to validate the form, fit, and function. Yeah, you could say that. Yes, yes, yes. But and and it's not just validating about what right. actually work, but also show it to some users and 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 get them to confirm that. Yeah, that's, you know, it, it's kind of crude and, and so on, but it does the job, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so if you if you don't take the time to do that, and if you put some budget on, on, the, on that and you have a team of people, maybe mechanical engineer and then uh, software engineer and, and, and so on, and, and, and they, they do a lot of engineering design and it takes months to get through, you know, 
to, to some nice prototypes that are approved, um, what, what, what are the risks um, of basically skipping the, the proof of concepts? Huge. I mean, uh, to put it simply, proof of concept is probably the most important part of the whole development early on, because as you mentioned, you need to have an idea of what the product looks like, how it's supposed to work, and whether or not you are on track in building the product. And if, mm. if it's a brand new product that's never been in the market, which most of our clients are, you know, they're entrepreneurs mm. and they're creating a whole new product from scratch. Um, a lot of times, you know, they don't have the full experience of product development and they don't realize how important that stage and that, that point in time is to keep all the documentation together, having the ideas together, making sure everyone has a clear understanding of what he has in mind as an entrepreneur, as designer. So, yeah, I, I think that proof of concept is the key very early on and very important. Yeah, so basically, if they, if they skip that, they don't really take the time to validate it. And maybe to, to do a U-turn and go in a different direction that's more promising and maybe doing proof of concept on two different or three competing uh, kind of ideas, basically they could go head down way too fast into putting a lot of money in development for something that in the end might not be successful. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Another one is that even that early in the product development cycle, it's good to already pick the key components and key materials, right? And at the same time, to start to think of, okay, where are we going to buy that? Rather than, okay, let's just get something that's here on stock and like, we'll, we'll, we'll bother about that later. And maybe, you know, we're in the US, yeah, manufacturing will be done in China because uh, it's, it's significantly cheaper. Uh, but uh, for now, we're just going to pick some, um, you know, we're going to go on Mouser or whatever other um, places where we can buy some, of the chef components like that. We're just going to hack things together. We're not going to think too much about the um, where these components come from. It, and in some cases, that might be the right attitude. But in some other cases, that is rather dangerous. What, what do you think? I totally agree. That, that is extremely dangerous if you really haven't thought through. I mean, in, just like you said, in some cases, you know, if you're using a chip resistor capacitor or something standard off the shelf that everywhere is available and you're designing that in locally for now until you go to China and you go mass production and then you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, try and source it in China. That might work. But then when it comes to critical, to quality, critical to per, per performance and operation uh, products, mm-hmm. like, for example, some of the ICs, key key ICs and key uh, displays and batteries and some mm-hmm. of the other key performance, like certain PCB types that you need. And then if you might say, well, you know, I think we just for now use this IC or this transistor or and so on for now until we get there, all of a sudden you get there, they don't have those parts because what you purchased is only local to US. 
or like you said, Mauser as a ex example, no, no offense to Mauser, but maybe that was very old part that is basically obsolete. And uh, mm -hmm. you didn't know about it. You're a young designer and adventurous. And here it is. Now you're in uh, full production. You're, you're trying to take it to full production in China. And they say, sir, we don't know where you got this part. This is no longer in the market. And these, I mean, it could also be a smaller chip resistor or something. But I mean, the, the, the risk of uh, ha not being able to source a part uh, that is not available or not available in in uh, high volumes is huge. It could pretty much put and stop into your whole development and and production. And so I think that it's very very important that you think it through, find out you know if how you're going to design everything at the end is going to work out in China. Maybe talk to a uh, well-known manufacturer like for example ours. Uh, we have uh, professionals and purchasing team that know exactly what's available in the market here. They could just send an email and we'll be able to help them. And this kind of a connectivity to uh, a manufacturer in uh, offshore, you know, in Southeast Asia like us, uh, it, it's a huge benefit to a lot of entrepreneurs that are in Western, you know, in US and Europe and other areas, they could just contact us and we'll be able to tell them, you know, what the issues are with those parts or they're okay. Uh, and a huge, huge benefit down the road for, for them in terms of risks. And these days, there's, I mean, these days, already for, for more than right. a year. Yes. Um, when you talk about electronic components, um, it's really important to pick one that is not hard to procure oh, because yeah. Yeah. some of them prices have gone up 10 times, 20 times, or even more. And, you know, there are very long lead times or both at the same time. So if you're still in, in the early design phase, you got to work hard to, to pick one that is not that hard to procure, right? Uh, because yeah. it's uh, it's so... Unequally divided. I mean, some some of these, um, you know, these these chips come from not just the chips and some other active components and so on, but some of these parts are made by um, foundries and, and 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 manufacturers that are very 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 busy, yes. and um, and and some others that are relatively equivalent are made by manufacturers that are not that or not much busier than usual. So. Take your pick, but don't make a mistake. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, I, I think the timing for being very careful with risks uh, related to components right now is very high and they need to be really, really vigilant to contact someone like our company so be able to make sure the lower take risk. Right now with the COVID situation, which they can't actually themselves be here across the country, travel to China, you know, how are you going to actually contact Chinese companies and be able to talk to someone? Well, we have English speaking team members who can help them very clearly in, in what their objective, objectives are and how we can help them. So I think mm. it's an advantage. Right. Another one is, so let's say they, they move along, they do some of the work, uh, but, you know, they spend a lot of time and energy and resources 
polishing, you know, a, a you know really nice prototype, and then they're like, yeah, this is, you know, this is really ready. If we get that in mass production, it's going to be great. But they never talk to someone who did a review for manufacturability, who did a review for you know for for quality, for reliability, and and things like that. And we we shot a few videos on that, right? Design for quality, design for reliability, and and so on. For manufacturability, for 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 assembly. Okay. What what is the risk? Basically, uh, you know, they they have a nice prototype, but they never get any feedback from, let's say, the manufacturing world. What what can happen? Oh gosh, um, if. It's it's more like you know you're trying to build build a product that you don't get any feedback from your user your end user. Long long time ago, I used to work for an awesome company called Nokia, and the way we used to do was basically make ten twenty different kind of models, and then hope that one of them would hit the jackpot. Well, that's mm-hmm. not the way it's done anymore nowadays. You know, people do consumer. Uh, surveys and they find out what the customers want and then mm. they design a product that meets their needs. That way you don't have to design 12 different products. You just design one real good one and that's all that they need. They all love it. And I think that, for example, uh, Apple does that a lot, right? They just got one iPhone every every year updated and so forth. And it works for them. I think that if they forget... Um, what the production requirements are and they don't talk to someone in production and not have them review their billing materials, their requirements for production. My God, I mean, here it is ready for production and all of a sudden production says, sorry, I can't, can't start. Don't have this particular part. Don't have these jigs. Don't have these, uh, uh, can't assemble these the way you have it. Uh, has to be in this format. You need to have this particular, uh, for example, uh, circuitry or assembly or jigs. So, I mean, uh, it's very critical that before you go to production, have someone knowledgeable from that source, that production source, um, to really review in detail. And I mean in detail in terms of assembly requirements, uh, testing requirements, um, you know, and basically being able to uh, put together the whole thing as a package. Yeah. And so it's basically doing all the design work and then uh, giving it to the manufacturing people to feedback for feedback, like way right. too late is called uh, throwing it um, above the wall, right? Like you don't talk to them. You finish yeah. the package and then you send it over to them and right. you hope that they don't send it back. Because right. if they send it back, it means they, they can do it. Right? And then you have to make some changes, but you don't really know what to change. And then it's, it's terrible. But these days, you're right. With with COVID and all the travel restrictions, that's what some companies are doing because it's harder for them to come here. So, yeah, some of the, I mean, I, I guess the most common way uh, that this takes shape is uh, with, with the enclosure. You know, very often there's a plastic enclosure, a casing for the for the product with the custom shape because that's the product identity right and then they 3d print it and then they can do whatever they want and right. it can be beautiful it could be amazing <laughs> but then 
okay, how are you going to make that in the thousands uh, with uh, plastic injection molding? Probably, right? right? In a cost-effective manner. Okay, well, this cannot be molded. Uh, sorry, you, you got to change the shape. Um, <laughs> and you got to think of where the the melting lines are going to be and the flow lines and, and the gates and things like that. You know, you think of all that in advance. So that very often requires some redesign. There's just one example, but there's so many ways um, it, it can, um, you know, the, the design has to to take into account the realities of manufacturing and of testing and right. the requirements of, of quality, of reliability and so on, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's say the design um, design is 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 made the prototype is confirmed it, you know it's been reviewed by manufacturer and they say okay yes with the changes you've made and everything yeah it's fine right then comes the time pretty soon for testing in-depth testing right not uh like simple testing so if if some tooling is necessary again you know for uh let's say there's this this uh, plastic casing or I don't know, um, or extruded aluminum or something like that. And, and there has to be some tooling in place. Uh, then, okay, you, you make the tooling, you, um, you do an engineering build uh, with, with that to, to get some final samples for, again, for approval, right? So it's, it's, it's important to take the, the time here before going into mass production. What, you know, this final samples are extremely important they need to be reviewed they need to be tested but you know maybe again by users just to make sure everything's fine and then you know how about certifications compliance very often it's it's a must but also for reliability and we we did a whole podcast episode on reliability before but um have you seen some companies just skip that and say okay we got the tooling like this goes to must and I don't see any more samples to approve and like I don't want to uh, I don't want to slow down <laughs> right well you know you, you mentioned something really interesting about the plastic uh, injection molding parts these are like for, for example covers for uh, some product that you're making you need some plastic covers and so forth like you said if, if it doesn't go through proper inspection by the engineering team who designed it and they prematurely approve the part mm-hmm. uh, without actually looking at, you know, a number of samples and then um, being able to understand, you know, what are the differences in texture? What are the differences in, for example, color um, and so forth. If they don't do a very detailed, uh, analysis and especially tolerance analysis between parts, then you'll you'll end up having all kinds of problems. And then, of course, as you mentioned about testing, full testing, and having a procedure that really catches all the issues during the production, mm-hmm. so that uh, the users don't experience having issues for with the final products. A lot of times, let's say the designers, you know, they, they have tunnel vision. They don't understand exactly how the product will be used. They've been assigned to a certain piece of the design and the project, and they pretty much just work on that design and they don't even care what it is. 
here it is. I have a PCB and I have to work on this module and that's it. I'm doing my best and that's it. The truth is uh, when you're testing it, you have to keep in mind what kind of environment this product is going to be used, how the user is going to be abusing it perhaps, or, you know, using it in a ways that the product was not necessarily designed for and how much of it is important for us to uh, keep in mind and take into account in terms of design and how much of it is considered, for example, abuse, right? Take into, as an example, for example, the mobile phone. If it drops from half a meter and all of a sudden you display cracks, mm-hmm. I think it's it's pretty much unacceptable for a $1,000 phone mm-hmm. to break from mm-hmm. half a meter drop nowadays anyway. In the old days, it was acceptable. I don't think it is now. However, if you drop it, uh, if you throw it on the wall uh, because you were angry at girlfriend or mm. something, that is considered abused. And okay, we shouldn't design to fix, uh, I mean, be, to prevent that kind of a, uh, abuse. But the point is, those are the kind of things that the designer must keep in mind when at the time of actually designing, discussions needs to be around uh, what are the limits of my design? How much I should design for it and how much is not enough and so forth. And then when you're talking about reliability testing, most often a lot of companies, uh, they even don't even think about reliability because it's not really something that is in their mind. And usually they run out of time and it's time to go to production. And here it is they haven't done any kind of full reliability testing. So they start doing some rudimentary, very quick, what I call standard, uh, kind of like standard off the shelf for components. They do standard reliability tests, which usually doesn't catch though all the issues that they could be having in the field. And they go to production. And then what happens next? Of course, because of lack of testing, uh, they didn't catch a lot of issues and they end up having a huge uh, returns from uh, from the field. Right, right. Okay. And then the, the last one, if we can cover this like quickly, is let's say you do all this testing on samples that have been put together by a few engineers with parts of tooling and like, you know, in principle, all the same parts that would be used for mass production. Is this okay then to go into mass production straight and make you know 500 pieces or 2,000 pieces? And our answer is always no. And that's one of these things where you know we won't budge usually, uh, except if really the, the product is obviously a low risk. It's no. We have to do a pre-production pilot run yeah. um, of. It depends on the kind of product, but often it's maybe 30 pieces, 50 pieces just to double confirm that the assembly lines are ready, that you know, the, the people have been trained, the, the components themselves um, don't come with a lot of issues and, and, and things like that. And it, it, it is a complement to the ongoing risk analysis for the product and, and, and the whole project. And, um, and it, it allows us to confirm that the issues that we have seen maybe before um, are not... Um, let's say their severity does not prevent us from going into mass production, right? Uh, and there's so many cases where 
people just say, okay, let's, let's go into mass production. Like I'm in a hurry and they don't do the pilot run. And then they find out that 30% of their products are defective. Uh, do, do you see a uh, cause and effect relationship here? Oh gosh, of, of course, of course. I mean, you know, production has its own uh, issues and problems, but uh, most of most often production knows what they're supposed to be doing when you have a small project going in. If the project has not been tested through the production, um, making sure that the production is set up exactly to meet their requirements, my gosh, uh, yeah, you could be going high volume, like maybe make 1,000 to 10,000 units and could be more than 50% no good in terms of yields. So I totally wholeheartedly agree with you that every project, it doesn't matter big or small, at least run a few samples through production and see if those uh, are going to meet the requirements mm. before you run a large sample. Uh, in many cases, you push the button and then 500, 1,000 uh, button, I mean, I mean, the products will come out at the end right away, very quickly in, in one day. And so, yes, it could be costly, a, uh, very costly if you don't do the pilot run. And pilot run, by the way, has many different names, different, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's the most um, basically a early production and um, production readiness uh, is testing. You test them to see if the pro- production line is set up exactly how to meet the requirements of this particular. For example, the assembly lines are ready. Uh, you get assembly operators are trained. You get assembly instructions and uh, SOPs and you, you basically all there's a lot goes into making sure that the production is ready for your product and you have to document all of this process you have to check it and you have to make sure that that few uh, like you mentioned 30 pieces that went through were are or actually meeting your requirements before you go to high volume and in many cases especially for relatively complex products or whether maybe the some of the requirements are, are are pretty tight, a number of different runs are needed, right? You do one, and then you, okay, we have these and these and these issues, and like let's make so let's implement some countermeasures, and then let's go again into it, and let's see, okay, we still have that issue, okay, let's do another one just to confirm it's fine, and and then okay, we can go into mass production uh, without ramping up too fast, but you know we can keep that under control right so um yeah that's um <laughs> that, that's one thing i would never uh, i would never skip for an entire new product that Absolutely. comes with not yeah with, with a number of risks yeah yeah so that that, that was just um a few a few topics that we uh, that we raised that we focused on today. Obviously, there would be a number of others. Uh, you know, making sure you qualify the right suppliers and and so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, we, we 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 would spend hours and hours and hours in that discussion, and maybe it's not it's not that interesting. So we we, we picked uh, what we felt were some of the most important points, and and where there's a very clear link <laughs> from you skip it to you run very high risks, right? Um, so we hope uh, it was interesting. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Thanks for, uh, for, for, for adding to the, to the discussion here. That, that was great. And to the listeners, 
Thank you. And you will hear from us as usual next week. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.